Hello and welcome back to InsureTech UK's podcast called Kicking the Tires. Today I'm joined by Matt Hodges Long from Track My Risks. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Good morning, Sam. Very well. Very well. Good. Um, Matt, for those who don't know, could you explain what Track My Risks is and does, please? Yeah, so Track My Risks is a SaaS platform, software as a service, and we help companies manage governance, risk, and compliance. So that's all there background um, compliance and, and regulatory information that needs to be managed and uh, often gets overlooked. So yes, we, uh, we make that beautiful. So uh, as I like to think, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, the business stuff, the grown up stuff that you have to do in a business. That's right. Yeah. It's the stuff that um, doesn't usually generate a lot of excitement um, unless there's a problem. And then at that point, everybody needs that information and you better hope you've got it and you better hope it lines up and, and proves your case um, in a court of law or with a regulator. So yeah, that's the, that's the challenge is um, keeping that um, running and up to date when the attention of the world isn't on that information. So it's a background process, but you know, absolutely necessary. So would you say most people tend to keep the information we're talking about, say fire uh, hazard reports or whatever, certificates, disparately separated all over the place in spreadsheets, on sticky notes, in uh, four-leaf archer files? Is that where people generally keep the stuff today? Yeah, it's usually sort of spread out in um, sort of departmental silos in a larger company. So you might have a maintenance department that's keeping, you know, things that relate to maintenance or fire safety. And you've got other people in a compliance department dealing with regulatory, you know, um, financial conduct authority information or whatever. Um, and then some of it will probably be scattered around consultants and contractors, third parties. And uh, it does tend to be a bit haphazard and everybody sort of thinks other people are, are doing what they should be doing, which in a lot of cases they are, and in some cases they're not. And it only really becomes apparent when we have a need to say we need to pull everything together because, you know, we're, we're being audited. And then you start finding these gaps or, you know, you've had an incident and the health and safety executive come in or whatever um, and start probing and asking those detailed questions. And then everyone starts blaming each other. Um, so our, our view is that really all of that pertinent information for an organisation should be in a system of record. Um, which effectively is the definitive source of the truth. Um, and then it becomes very easy to say, is it there or is it not there? Um, if it is there, is it fit for purpose? That's the secondary question. But yeah, <laughs> first thing is getting all, everything together um, right. and, and uh, exposing it and making it transparent. So how did Track My Risks come about as an idea for you? I mean, what was the embryonic idea? Uh, so I think it's about... 20 years plus probably of, of so an overnight, an overnight decision really yeah absolutely yes we rushed into it um it was <laughs> yeah it sort of started off for me really um way back in the day when i worked in construction having a, a very near miss incident on on the site that i ran um luckily nobody got hurt there was lots of property damage and then at that point lots of questions were being asked about you know where's the risk assessment where's this where's that uh, didn't have most of it um, and then latterly, I had a startup business and, and somebody that worked as a consultant took me to an employment tribunal and tried to assert that he was an employee rather than a, a contractor. Um, and again, you know, I, I won that one. But, you know, if they had have decided that he was actually an employee, then I wouldn't have had any of the paperwork around his dismissal. Uh, so it would have been a, a technical, you know, technical um, breach anyway. And just as life has gone on in business, you just find more and more about people just are inherently disorganized. Um, not in a bad way, but, you know, you've got business to carry on with. You've got to build people. You've got to get the money in. You've got to, you know, sell. You've got to uh, do PR, et cetera. And, and managing governance, risk, and compliance is kind of a bit of a backroom activity that 
doesn't get people out of bed in the morning generally. So, you know, if we can do things to make that much easier and structured um, and almost automated, then, you know, more people are going to comply with doing things in the right way. So um, is GDPR now playing a a big part in getting people to wake up to this whole space of uh, governance and, you know, saying, oh, actually, we need to start thinking a bit more about it has that been a positive or negative effect for you uh, it's been positive not not probably as transformational as we thought it would be um short term but generally i think it's um you know, the whole area of record keeping and and being able to evidence doing something so for example a privacy impact assessment that you would need to do to evidence compliance with gdpr and data protection act um you know that's a thing that's an asset that's something that somebody in the future might turn around and say well show me the privacy impact assessment that you produced um four years ago and then it's a question of well that was on the server that we decommissioned and we forgot to back it up and we did this and we did that whereas really that should be published into the system of record and then kept we believe unless there's a, a reason for erasure to do it for forever if somebody might call call that back from you um, in the way, same way in insurance, you've got to keep your employer's li- liability insurance cover, you know, evidence for, I think it's 40 years, you know, well, can you find that from 20 years ago? Where the heck is it? So by publishing it into a system of record where it's stored securely and version controlled, then who knows what you're going to be asked for in the future, but you can go back and find it and uh, prove who's interacted with it along the way. Okay. And um, for people who don't know, how's the service delivered? So if I, if I wanted to come to trackmyrisks.com and I wanted to sign up, how do I do it? Is it, is it, a, is it a downloadable app? Is it a SaaS platform? Is it, you know, describe a little bit about uh, the platform or the, the service that you provide. Yeah, so it's a SaaS platform, software as a service. So um, you don't need to download anything. Um, everything is uh, taking place in our cloud. That's where we store all of the... Um, all of the underlying documentation that's uploaded into each customer's um, environment. Um, so it's all managed by us, supported by us. So literally it's, a, it's a, an email address and a, and a password to log in to access the information. In terms of how those environments are structured, you can either um, buy a, a, an environment directly from us or, or you know, sign up to one um, and load it with your own information. Or you can, um, and, and the way most people do is they have a, an environment deployed to them by one of our reseller or distributor partners. Um, so that might be, track my risk might be bolted into your insurance policy. Um, it could be a membership benefit of joining a trade association or whatever, um, working with a health and safety consultant that sort of thing. And then at which point, rather than them emailing information back and forth to you, they would publish that into your Track My Risks account. And then you can build on top of that with other areas of the business. Um, so the idea is that you could put everything from across the enterprise into one place. Um, but it often helps if it's a structured environment that you're delivered in the first place, because then you just fill, fill in the headings. Um, you don't have to sort of look at a blank screen and say, what should I put in here? Um, so yeah, we, we can provide templated environments like that as well. So you can go into vertical markets, you can go into SMEs, you can go into enterprise, yeah? Yeah, anybody. Um, It works best for us from a templating perspective to do lots of companies that are pretty similar or have the same requirements because then we can design an environment with our customers once and then we can roll that out to tens, hundreds, thousands, millions of customers that look fairly similar with a, a, a you know and you get real economies of scale from it. Whereas if you do individual companies one by one, then you, you're always having to sort of build a prototype if you like. Yeah. So we're always looking for something that's repeatable and you know over time 
um, will be using machine learning, etc., to actually understand where those points of commonality are and start building that content, you know, by machine as opposed to by human being having an intimate understanding of the subject. But we're, we're not there yet. That's a sort of tra- trajectory for us from a development perspective. And, and roughly how many customers have you got today? So we've got just under 3,000 live customer accounts on the platform. Brilliant. From February last year, so we're pleased with that. Um, we want to add noughts onto it. So, um, yeah, we tend to like the discussions that are looking at adding thousands rather than tens, but, you know, we'll take anything. Um, we're a startup, but, yeah, we, we, we really do want to, um, you know, our belief is that every organization should have a system of record um, for its governance risk and compliance because it's that important. Um, and we would like to be a lead provider in that marketplace, you know, so that, that sort of leads you to the point of where the numbers can go with this sort of proposition. And, and for those who are more interested, how, how are you funded? Are you, where, where are you in their growth cycle of funding? Okay, so we're, we've um, completed two rounds of um, seed funding, um, around about a million pounds. Um, we are looking at another funding round now we're doing having some conversations on that but um you know we don't have to we're we're perilously close to breaking even at the moment so um you know really it's about getting the right kind of money at the right time on the right terms and just over the last six to eight months the, the terms have got pretty pretty crap um from what we've seen so it's about finding the right kind of investor that sort of aligns with us and not just taking the first person to offer the money um, yes, so that, that's okay. where we are at the moment so we're, we're not We'd like to do it, but we're going to do it on the right terms. You know, we're a risk management business. Well, the last thing we're going to do is um, shoot ourselves in the foot, hopefully. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we were talking offline earlier uh, about, uh, sadly, Grenfell Tower. And um, yeah. you were saying, you know, had they had something like Track My Risks as a solution, uh, it could have helped. Can you give a little bit of background and detail on that, please? Yeah, so Grenfell, I think most people know, obviously, the Grenfell tragedy is um, absolutely hideous. But but there were, multi, as with all of these large-scale disasters, a bit like Piper Alpha or whatever, there's, there's normally a number of failings along the way that lead to a really dark outcome. One of the major failings at Grenfell was the absence of record-keeping relating to that building. So when the fire brigade arrived at the building, they didn't know what they were going into. They didn't know what the evacuation procedures were. They didn't know the plans. They didn't know where all the risers were and gas outlets and utilities, etc. Um, so effectively, the, the um, inquiry heard from the fire brigade that all they had to go on was a photograph on a mobile phone of Grenfell Tower before it burst into flames. Um, and that was a photograph that was taken before the combustible cladding was put around the outside. They went in, you know, they were in the dark and they, what should have happened apparently is that there should have been a firebox in the reception, uh, which would be a metal fireproof box, I'm hoping, that they could break into that would have floor plans and evacuation procedures, etc. in it. Anyway, they, it either wasn't there or they couldn't find it. Literally, you know, I'm looking at that from our perspective saying, well, actually, companies that work with us have all of this information in a digital format version controlled, single version of the truth, and they can have unlimited permissioning to, to external parties. So if the management of Grenfell had had track my risk prior to the event and had permissioned that to the fire brigade prior to the fire, then that information would have been available to whoever needed it in real time. Anyway, they didn't, and that didn't happen. But but what's actually happened now is that there was a big inquiry afterwards that um, well, there's an inquiry ongoing, but there was a report that was written by Dame Judith Hackett, who used to chair the Health and Safety Executive. And one of her key recommendations was that all high-risk residential buildings like Grenfell need to have a golden thread of life safety information, which effectively is a system of record by a different name. 
they haven't gone as far as saying that it needs to be enduring permissions need to be provided to fire brigades and police and other other services that's where we're taking it um so we believe that at the very minimum all, all of the buildings like grenfell should have a system like ours in place um we've offered that to government and we're waiting to hear so that that's kind of where we are with grenfell wow okay so um taking a little look going forward now i mean good luck with the grenfell tower thing um i wish they'd have track my wrist or a service like it this is all about data really isn't it i mean it's data management data control with data there's two elements is there anything that you guys are doing in terms of the storage of the data to do with blockchain and is there anything that you guys are doing in terms of in making data more intelligent using machine learning or ai as people sometimes like to call it yeah so so taking the taking the blockchain question first blockchain has a use uh, we don't have anything secured on blockchain at the moment i think in terms of the documentary evidence or files that are uploaded into our platform they are encrypted and stored within the amazon environment the behavioral data so this is the when was something published what was it who did it who's accessed it when did they access what when did they download etc all of that behavioral stuff which is effectively gathering everybody's paw prints and evidence on on each underlying artifact which could be fundamental in a court case which is you know not only did you can i evidence i shared that with you but i can evidence that you interacted with it 25 times over the two-year period in question uh, therefore it's untenable to say that you were unaware yeah. that kind of information um so at the moment that is in a uh, what i would call a semi-immutable log at the moment which is the amazon date and time stamping which users cannot interfere with or change we haven't gone to the step yet of actually then securing that data on blockchain we haven't had a requirement to do it yet. It's not to say that we couldn't in the future. It's something that we t- we talk about and we, we come back to. We've resisted the temptation to say, oh, you know, we, we've got blockchain in our business to put an extra couple of million on the valuation. Maybe we should. So that that's the, the situation with blockchain at the moment. Generally, from, a, from an evidential perspective, for example, we don't share links to underlying files to say, oh, come and have a look at this. Here's a link. Um, it works through an invitation process where you have to accept and create a user account before you can interact with that content. And that's how I know that Sam looked at that or downloaded that file on that date and time rather than it just being a random link that was sent out to people with with no tracking in terms of uh, machine learning uh yeah i mean i think sort of applying some kind of machine learning algorithm to that behavioral data first to actually start to look at you know how do large numbers of organizations interact what do they do around keeping um, underlying control documents in date how widely do they share um, what times of day you know etc and then can we relate any of that back to risk management in terms of companies that behave like this are x percent less likely to claim on that type of insurance policy or default on a loan or provide positive shareholder return or whatever it is when it comes to is there a way that I can run a diagnostic on that that data and actually see where does an organization rank amongst its peers so that's all to do with pricing risk and this is sort of where we lead into the insurance and insurtech UK and you know how data can empower you know underwriting in the future you know how do we put a price on risk and then correspondingly how do we um, use the platform to encourage users of the platform to change their behavior for the better to manage their risks more effectively you know so we call track my risk you know how do we track all of this and advise and hopefully um, de-risk businesses in a way that doesn't stop them from operating you know, sort of if, if we can manage unnecessary risk out of businesses at scale then that's a positive for everybody from society downwards okay last question matt where do you see track my risks in 
say, the, the next five years? I mean, what's on your horizon? Scale, number one. You know, having a, you know, if, if, if we start at the point where we believe, firmly believe that every organisation needs a system of record for its governance, risk and compliance, and we want to be leading in that marketplace, then we need to have a heck of a lot more than 3,000 and user customers on our platform. As we start building that up, I see that, that then using intelligence and working with our partners to actually provide products, services, advice that is going to help those end users effectively be less accident prone, get sued less or fined less by regulators, stay in business longer, stop killing people as often or, or maiming them, you name it, across all these areas of risk, you know, breaching data, you know, all of these things can be addressed with the right controls. It will never remove all of it, but it will certainly reduce the frequency and the impact. And then, you know, really that, that's us doing our job. You know, that, that's what, where we see ourselves going in terms of this business, you know, and that's the opportunity for us. Matt Hodges-Long, CEO of Track My Risks. Thank you very much. Thanks, sir.